You're listening to the Parenting Junkie Show, the place to go to love parenting and to parent from love. I'm your host, Avital. Welcome to the Parenting Junkie Show. And today we're going to be talking about the fact that marriage should not be the cause of pain and suffering, or at least it should not be only the cause of pain and suffering, but should be alongside that also a source of great energy and joy and uh, and really boost our our life, right? Make our lives easier because we have this companion, we have this person by our sides. However, so often, just so often, it's not. It's the opposite of that, or it's a little bit of that, but mostly a lot of stress and a lot of challenge and a lot of disconnect and a lot of dissatisfaction and just overall suckiness and bumminess <laughs> that happens in so many of the marriages I see around me and that I've experienced in the past. And so today we're going to talk about that in a deep way. And what I'm actually going to do is I'm going to walk you through a series of the most common beliefs that I see around marriage. And I'm going to tell you why I think they are wrong. They are just dead wrong and they are doing us a huge disservice. And of course, not only us, but also our children, um, because this is what they're getting uh, in their home, in our partnership. So if you're ready to let go of some of the myths that you're, you've perhaps internalized, perhaps been taught, then you have come to the right place. Now, just a little disclaimer is that I'm going to use the words marriage, husband, and wife. This could be true for partners. This could be true for same-sex marriages. The idea is basically a long-term relationship that you're in, and particularly in this case, because we talk parenting, that you also have children or a child together in, that you are raising a child together, whether or not it's your biological child together. So the idea of a couple and at least one kid in that equation is basically what I'm talking about, but take this as you will and apply it to what you will. The other thing that I want you to, uh, to I want the other disclaimer that I want to make is that there's really no place for shame in this conversation from my perspective. I don't judge people who struggle in their marriages. I don't judge people who leave their marriages. I don't judge people who choose to separate or divorce. And I think in some cases that's necessary, absolutely the right step, absolutely the most healthy step. If you are in some kind of terrible relationship for whatever reason, then yeah, there's absolutely no shame. It must end. And I'm so glad that that is being destigmatized and demystified and being made more available to people when they're in those extreme scenarios. So it must be made clear time and time again that that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about being in a relationship with someone who's basically a good person, basically a healthy person, basically, you know, I mean, sorry, mentally healthy in the relationship, not physically healthy necessarily, although I hope that too, um, basically uh, talking about feeling maybe disconnected or feeling, uh, you know, out of love or feeling frustrated, feeling unseen, unheard, uh, dissatisfied, um, but not feeling, you know, endangered in any kind of way. So what I'm talking about here is not what you should do. It's not a moralistic uh, judgment. It's not a virtue um, expectation. I'm actually going to be talking about strategy. Okay, what are the strategy, the overarching strategy, and we can get into the tactics later. Um, what is the overarching strategy that would serve you in your relationship? Uh, and that would be a good strategy for your life with your partner as you raise children together, given all of the challenges that are so very obvious to so many, many, many of us. I'm going to start by busting some general beliefs that I'm seeing around marriage and partnership, okay? And this is things that people believe to be true, but is in fact causing pain and suffering, okay? It's causing pain and suffering to continue to believe these beliefs. So one of the beliefs that I think that we've internalized on a very deep and subconscious level is that uh, marriages don't succeed. Marriages don't succeed, okay? The belief is that people lose a connection over time, that you fall in love in the beginning and then you quickly enter a phase known as the power struggle phase and you can't find 
you know, a great relationship after that. Um, and look, let's face it, the statistics are that 50% of couples, give or take, end their relationships. In other words, really, one in two of us are not going to succeed in our marriages in terms of it being a long-term success, in terms of it being till death do us part type of success. But I think we've all internalized on an even deeper level that marriages that even stay married together are often staying married because of the children, right? Staying for the children uh, or because they are, they, it's, it, there's kind of social shame perhaps around divorce or because of finances or because of all sorts of technical and social reasons, but not because internally they feel connected and they want to be in relationship with each other. So we've internalized this idea that marriages don't succeed. They don't last in terms of true lasting, you know, happily ever after style love, right? Fairy tale style love. Now, I want to say this about this belief is that it's true for many, right? That statistic is true. I believe that it's I believe that it's absolutely true that the vast majority of marriages don't succeed in that they are not necessarily happy together ever after, right? They don't ever overcome that power struggle stage. However, the high divorce rates and the belief inside us that marriage doesn't work has to be rewritten if we want hours to work. Look, anytime you're part of a damning statistic, right? You're part of a statistic. Maybe you're in a group of people who people assume you won't succeed for whatever reason, right? If you want to break free of that mold, you have to disbelieve that belief. You have to reject it. You have to unsubscribe to the narrative and rewrite your own unique story. And you have to believe deeply in your individual capacity to overcome what society is pushing us towards. So if you have an underlying subconscious belief, and I invite you to question that within yourself right now, do I have the belief that most marriages don't work? And am I therefore capitulating and assuming that mine won't, right? Am I assuming that that's just the way it is? That's just the way the cookie crumbles and therefore my cookie too will crumble and on a deep subconscious level, there's nothing I can do about it. If we have that belief that that something's holding us back, that something's working against us, that something we can never overcome, we will become a self-fulfilling prophecy and we will fall squarely into the statistic. Now, if you have parents whose marriages did not work out, if you've had previous relationships that did not work out, uh, if you have a lot of divorce around you that doesn't work out, then it actually has a contagious component because of this exact issue is that we see how it's not working out for other people and it strengthens the belief that it won't work, right? That it, it just generally doesn't, okay? So that's the first one that I want you to disbelieve and start to believe in your individual capacity to overcome statistics, to not fall into that camp, right? Reject it, deny it, don't allow it and choose a different script. So how about the script that my marriage does work? My marriage will work by hook or by crook. I won't take no for an answer, right? And I will continue to refer you back to my disclaimer that at some times it's right to take no for an answer. But for most of the marriages that people are coming to me with, it's not because of abuse. It's not because of some extreme circumstance. It's just, uh, just, I say just, it's not a light thing, but there's an emotional kind of, uh, the cookie is crumbling emotionally, so to speak, right? People are falling out of love, disconnecting. But in, I would say 80 to 90% of the cases, it's due to our own lack of investment in our marriages, lack of mindset, lack of tools, lack of skills, right? Our own deficiencies in being able to connect with this person and not because, oh, you know, marriages simply don't work. All right, high divorce rates, marriages don't work. That's one belief I want you to crush right now. The next belief that people, uh, that people seem to rely on is this idea that marriages take work and a very specific type of work and specifically and especially people assume counseling is the only way that they can get through you know marriage problems in other words i need a third party to help me now I love counseling. I've been to three different therapists. I got great stuff from them. I would go back in a heartbeat. I think there's a ton of value to it when you can find the right person. But of the thousands of couples that I interact with in my own work, I know that it's not always available to people. A, 
it can be too expensive. But B, it's really hard to find the right counselor that you have the chemistry with that actually helps you. And then there's often an expectation that it's going to take months and even years before you see some kind of dramatic change. Now, again, I'm not saying anything against counseling. I'm just saying it's not the only way to make changes in your relationship. And you shouldn't be dependent on a third party taking responsibility for your happiness in your relationship. Okay, don't. Don't give up your power like that. Lean on it if you can. Lean on it if it's available to you. Great. But don't give up your power in assuming that only if you find this magical person and you somehow can book with them and you can afford it and your partner agrees and you have to get pants on and you have to get a babysitter and you do all the things, then maybe, 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 maybe we stand a chance of changing and evolving and fixing our problems. Oh my God, is there anything more disempowering than that? It's like saying I could only ever be healthy and fit if I find the right fitness trainer and I employ them. And I get, look, some people work with a fitness trainer and it's great for them. And if that's you, great power to you. But there are many different ways to slice this pie. There are many different ways to get to where you want to go. And the most important thing is your own internal willpower, resolve, strength, direction, energy that you bring to it. That's going to be so much more important than finding this magical person on the outside. So all of this belief that counseling will save the day, right? And you see this and the trouble is also with counseling is that couples typically come to counseling too late, right? They come to counseling more as a way of like, how do we divorce amicably? <laughs> then how do we save this marriage? And many therapists won't give you the impetus, the tools, the onus, the responsibility, um, the push, the frankly, the very uncomfortable kick up the backside that I'm giving you right now <laughs> to say, this is your freaking responsibility and it's super important and don't let it go. So many therapists, and I've been to these therapists and I love them dearly, but they will sit down and listen and they'll empathize and that's lovely and it's helpful and it's healing, but are they really gonna hold you to it? Are, are they really gonna make you go after your goal of an amazing relationship, go after your goal of healing your issues, of coming to closer together, of building connection? Mm, no, I've yet to find that therapist that's going to do that, that's going to be a coach and not just a cheerleader, that's going to really tell you, okay, now go and do this, right? Be, be, be assertive, be powerful, grab the bull by the horns and make sure to make this work hap happen, okay? This work on your relationship happen and to tell you exactly what that work is. So many times they're going to help with all of those, you know, underlying painful uh, things and, and listen and help with the healing, etc. But I, what I want to be right now for you in this particular moment is someone who says, listen, gosh darn it, you've got to put on your big boy and big girl pants and you've got to get to work on this. It is incredibly important. And yes, there is plenty you can do. And no, you don't need to fall into a statistic and you don't need a third party to do it for you. Whether or not you go to the counseling, you've got to do this work. There's no other way to get to where you want to go in your relationship. And we'll talk about more of that soon, okay? All right. The next thing that I want to dispel is a whole bunch of limiting beliefs that we have about ourselves and about marriage and about relationships, right? We have these beliefs and they're so deeply hidden, right? They're so deeply layered. They're very re, uh, reinforced by culture, by movies, by Hollywood, by our parents, by our in-laws, by our cousins, by the stories that we hear. Uh, you guys might know this from the world of birth, for example, right? We hear a lot of stories about birth and that informs what we know about birth. So I always heard stories about how painful it was, how you had to have medicine, how you had to have this or that or the other, how you needed the doctors to intervene, how you, you know, it was this very specific narrative about birth. And that's true in some cases, but the truth is that it didn't need to be true for me. I could have a natural birth that wasn't so terribly painful, that was uh, healthy. And I wasn't given that opportunity in terms of the um, narrative that I absorbed by osmosis from culture. 
And it took me very deliberate work to overcome that narrative and replace it with a better script that served me better. So that's the type of mindset work that I want to do for you here. And just to be clear, I am not criticizing anyone who takes medication or or intervention during birth. The point is that there are different ways of looking at these things and some of those ways may not be serving you. So let's break down those stories and instead introduce stories that are more helpful. So one story that people come to me the whole time with, and I mean the whole time, is the idea that I made the wrong choice to begin with when I chose my partner. There is something just deeply incompatible about us. We should not have got married to begin with. It was a mistake, right? Uh, Let me know if this is something you've ever experienced. Just give me a yes in the comments. But let me know if that's something you felt like it was, it, it shouldn't have happened right? It shouldn't have happened. I didn't know what I know about them. I was young and naive, or I was old and pressured, or I was uh, just making the wrong choice, and it was a mistake. So let me let me attack this mindset for a minute, because here's the deal, okay? In, in business training, right? In business training, people often teach that there is no such thing as failure. There is only such a thing as an opportunity to grow and to learn. Why don't we learn this in relationships? I am not sure. I am not sure. But here's what I want to tell you. And this is some tough love and some people are really not going to like what I'm about to say. But I really want to tell you this. First of all, as I've already said, and I'm going to stop making this disclaimer because I hope that you all have heard me say that there's no judgment in leaving, right? There's no, you know, I'm not here to tell you that that's not an option. I'm here if you are interested in staying and you'd like to overcome this mindset that I made some mistake. Okay, here's the thing. First of all, we are in a culture of choice and freedom, and that is great. Okay, that's great. There's a lot of wonderful things about having all the choices open to you, and you can choose this or this. You can move country. You can move a career, right? Our parents lived in a time when we were, you choose a career, and you pretty much have to stick with that career. It was very rare for people to change jobs. Not so anymore, right? Um, and where it's been destigmatized to leave relationships and to move on. And there's a lot of good things about that. There's a lot of good things about that because people who need to leave a relationship should not be shamed or judged for it, right? Or people who deeply want to. But it also leaves the rest of us constantly wondering what the other options are, right? Constantly thinking the grass might be greener on the other side. Constantly kind of shiny object syndrome, okay? Now, There's something incredibly liberating about not having any choice. (laughs) There is something incredibly liberating about saying, maybe I made the wrong choice. Maybe I made the right choice. Who the hell knows? Who the hell cares? Here I am. Here I am with this person. We have built a life together. We have a child together. I now get to make the choice, right? Like say say I did make a bad choice back then. Am I going to make another bad choice now? to continue to suffer or continue to stay in disconnect or continue to dart my eyes around at other opportunities or at other options, keep my foot wedged in the door in case I want to run out? Or am I going to now make a right choice of going in to this relationship and making it great? Okay, that's the choice I face now. So which is it going to be, right? Either suffer right? Either stay in suffering and just consistently spinning my wheels over the choice I made eons ago when I was a completely different person, or I now make the choice to go forward with this relationship as it's presented itself, as I find myself in this scenario. There is something that I would like to present. Look, I love the freedom. I love all the choices. I love all the opportunity that has been afforded to us in this day and age. Okay. That's great. But now we've got to swing the pendulum a little bit the other side, or we will get stuck in choice paralysis, in decision fatigue, in overwhelm, and never commit, and never show up consistently, and never do the hard work, right? Like, have you ever had this experience that you've moved city or moved country, right? And you move to a new place, and it's hard at the beginning. Don't tell me it's not. It's always hard at the beginning, right? You don't have friends, and you don't know your way around. You don't feel at home there's a threshold and you have to overcome it. And hopefully you do the work and you overcome it and eventually it feels like home. Or you say, well, 
I guess I made the wrong choice. This isn't the right home for me. And you move again. Now I'm someone who's moved like eight times. So I know, I know how, how tantalizing, how seductive the other option is, right? But at some point in our life, at some point in our life, it's time to grow up. It's time to grow up and to choose commitment and to choose consistency and to choose to build layer upon layer upon layer and not to keep ripping that off and starting from the beginning, right? And I, I, this isn't a comment about, you know, living on the road or being nomadic or world schooling or whatever. This is a comment about the relationship aspect. If you want a mature relationship, you've got to give it time to mature. If you want a grown-up relationship, you've got to give it time to grow. And if you keep thinking you're going to start from scratch and you made the wrong choice and there's another choice out there, you're never going to overcome the initial threshold that it takes to go deeper and heal and work on it and figure it out. That is a handicap you're placing on yourself. You're, 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 you're chaining yourself and gagging yourself from moving forward and making the adaptions, adaptions? Uh, adaptations and adjustments that are necessary for growth, for, you know, coming together. Okay. So this idea that I made the wrong choice, maybe you did, maybe you didn't. Who the hell knows? Who the hell cares? You're in it now. This is where you are now. Are you going to spend the rest of your life, the next few decades, giving up on what you've got, on this great person next to you, on this great opportunity next to you to heal and work and deepen because you're still harking back to a time when you made the wrong choice? And I just want to say one more thing about this. As a parent, I have a child who I could easily say we're not compatible, right? It was the wrong choice for me. God handed me the wrong kid, right? Have you, have you ever felt this before? I have this with clients all the time. Like we're not compatible. We're not a good, we don't have goodness of fit. Our characters clash. I don't like them very much. Their behavior uh, um, is difficult for me. These are very common things that we feel about our children. But we tend not to get stuck on this fantasy idea that, well, oh, whoops, it was the wrong choice. Give me a different kid. Take this one back. No. Because we understand that there's an unconditional, deep, committed love that goes on between parent and child that we don't question. We don't take the time to question it very often, right? And neither should we, because where would that lead us and how would that help us? We have this child. This is the child we love. This is the child we're choosing to love, even when it's hard. And we're going to love them for the rest of their lives, whether we particularly find it easy and enjoyable and natural or not. What if we were to adopt that same mindset with our partner, right? Whether it was the right choice or the wrong choice, it's just, it's just laughable at this point. This is the reality. This is who's there. This is who's by your side. There's phantom ghost-like people that you can imagine in your fantasy world that would be the perfect partner for you, or you can contend with the actual human being that's with you right now, and life is really short, so do it now, right? Let's move on to the next limiting belief. My partner will never change. Who said that one before? <laughs> Raise your hand. My partner will never change. What can I do? My partner will never change. So I'll do all the work and it will be too hard. And my partner is just not a changeable person. And I want to call big BS on this. Okay. I don't buy it. I don't believe it. First of all, I am deeply committed to the belief that people do change and evolve. Nature is ever changing and ever evolving at every given moment. You cannot stop it. You cannot deny it. Look at any tree and tell me it's the same from one nanosecond to the next. And now you're going to tell me that someone as complex and nuanced and layered as a human being doesn't change? No. First of all, just a, just a straight up no on that. But second of all, the feeling that my partner doesn't change says a lot more about me than it does about them, right? It says that I don't notice the way that they adapt and evolve, that I am stuck myself in my perception of them in a box that might have been true 10 years ago, but may no longer be true today. And I'm not letting them change. And you know what it says about me even more? It says that I don't understand my power to make a change. Okay, and this is, the, this is the deepest part, guys. You have 
unlimited power to change the dynamic in your family. Unlimited power to change the, uh, the energies in the home. You are a creative force to be reckoned with. And I mean this without any, uh, without any exception and without any irony. It's very real. When you say my partner won't change, what you're really saying is that I won't change. That you think, right? We all think, I think, oh, I do so much growth and I do all the inner work and I do the counseling and I do the reading the books and I do the meditation. So I've evolved so much. But my partner, my partner has is stuck decades before me, right? No, 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 no then you're misunderstanding the aspect of growth that is the the more mature and deeper aspect of growth. Because here's the deal, guys. It's very simple. It's, it's pretty much scientific. When you change the way you treat people, they change in turn. It's not actually a question. I don't have any question about this in my mind. It's so clear to me. I mean, it's really, scientifically, it's based on mirror neurons in many ways, right? You know this because when you smile at someone, they smile back. Yeah, you enter a room angry and, and, and feeling frustrated, they in turn, it's contagious. They in turn feel that way too. You have judgments and criticisms and disappointments and you know a whole baggage load of complaints about your partner. Oh, don't worry, don't worry. They have that about you too. <laughs> right? They have that about you too. So are you willing to change? Are you willing to do the hard work for yourself? right? For your own good, for your own benefit, to get a partner back who is willing and able uh, to, to meet you, right? To meet you in that sense of connection, of, of, of vulnerability, of love, hey? Are you willing to do what that takes or are you going to stay in that stuck, unchanging story? My partner needs to change. My partner's got an issue. My partner's got a problem. They're not doing the growth. Boring, outdated, archaic, unhelpful, let it go, move on. You want a change, be the change. Next limiting belief, let's talk about this. It would be easier alone. Have you had this thought? It would just be easier on my own. I'd be happier alone. I'd be happier with someone else, right? Uh, or just, you know, it, ma it makes it even harder when my partner's around, yeah? Makes it even, you know, be, making this relationship work is so much work. It would just be easier on my own. Okay, here's what I have about that. Yes, it would. Sure, of course it would. Much less energy to be on your own. Of course, you could do everything on your own terms, right? You can do anything you want. You can just run your life, manage your time, pleasure yourself, spend your money, do whatever pleases you, right? Parent exactly the way you want to, because I know you're the perfect parent and your partner is the problem. I know, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> right? Of course it would be easier. Guys, a lot of things would be easier. But you're not here for easy. You didn't sign up for easy. You don't get meaning from easy. Okay? Easy is sit on your butt and watch Netflix. That's easy. Okay? And that's fine. And we all do that a little bit, a little bit, right? We'll do, we'll need a little bit of easy in our life. That's fine. I'm not advocating just for hard, but here's what I am advocating for. If you want meaning, if you want depth, if you want maturity, if you want growth, if you want contending with the real stuff, okay, and building the real deeper, higher level, mature love story, then you want to do hard things, okay? Life is hard but you can do hard things. You've heard me say this a million times, right? Life is hard, but you can do hard things. Parenting is hard, but you can do hard things. No one signs up for parenting because it's easy. Okay, you don't sign up for marriage because it's easier. Easy. Now let's go deeper in this. I'd be happier alone. Really? But really, is that true? And I want you to look it in the face. Yes, things would technically run smoother. Okay, it would be easy. But would you find, forget happy, because I think happy, not such a helpful word, okay? Happy is fleeting. Happy is uh, surface level. Happy isn't about fulfillment, meaning that we make in our lives. It, happy isn't enough to make yourself feel like your life meant something. 
Like it was worth it, okay? So instead of thinking, oh, it will be fun, right? It'll be happy. I want you to think about your deathbed, okay? You're on your deathbed, you're 120 years old, and you're looking back at your life and you're like, I was so happy. I could do all the stuff on my own terms, in my own time, by myself, whenever I felt like it, with with whoever I wanted, in whatever way. Is that what you're saying? Or would you prefer to be saying, it was really challenging and we went through some really hard stuff, but we faced it and we worked through it and we stumbled and we fell and we made mistakes and we have regrets, but we were there, committed, steadfast, hardworking, there for each other in depth. And we went on a real journey together. We went on a real adventure throughout the decades of our life. So I'm not talking about easy in terms of technically easy, okay? I'm talking about meaning. Long-lasting, long-term, sustainable, in-depth relationships where we're building a family and a legacy together for generations to come that doesn't need to come easy, okay? And that's not supposed to come easy. And if you want the depth of this relationship, then yes, you need to go through it, not around it. Your happily ever now says, even if you separate, you are still forever tied to that person. If you don't learn the lessons in the place we're in now, we will just carry it with us to the next. Amen to that. And that's 100% true. That even if we just, you know, (laughs) even if we just decide it will be easier on our own, we'll still have to contend with all of the stuff that's there within this relationship because you're tied for life with children and within relationships to come because the same themes will inevitably arise. No question about it. Okay. That also goes to the question, to the limiting belief of I made the wrong choice, right? Because everybody's the wrong choice. (laughs) Anyone you chose would have been the wrong choice. I promise you at some point or another, you would have entered into the power struggles phase. It's completely inevitable. And anyone you would have chose would have been the wrong choice, maybe for slightly different reasons but pretty much for the same reasons. You would ultimately have found the same, uh, the same mistakes, quote unquote mistakes, right? That you made now because people are human and people are flawed and people have make errors and people uh, are truly imperfect and we're imperfect and we're both these complex nuanced individuals. And so it's going to be incredibly challenging with whomever it is that we try to build a life with and whoever it is we put on all of our expectations to be our intellectual, financial, sexual, uh, friendship, you know, compatible partner. One is that comes up a lot. I am too tired to do the work. I do all the work. I do all the emotional labor. I do all the heavy lifting. Why am I the one struggling for this relationship? Why am I the one keeping this family together? Why am I the one burdening all the responsibility? It's not fair, it's too heavy. Who feels that way? I'm too tired, I'm too busy, I'm raising little kids. They need me more, right? This is too important for that kind of thinking, my friends. Your relationship is too important to be too tired for the work. Your relationship is too important. It's too meaningful, it's too necessary for you to be waving a flag of, not mine, you know, your turn. (laughs) Let someone else do it. This is the same comment I made about the counseling. It's too important to shove this responsibility off to anyone else, including to your partner, okay? Hopefully, you know, I I, I very much hope and I very much wish for you that at some point along this journey, your partner will rise up and carry this burden with you and do the work with you. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. However, however, regardless of how they behave, you deserve to do this meaningful work of healing, connecting, finding the communication tools, finding the patterns, ironing out the kinks, managing, managing to build a life together, managing to build up your relationship. Why? A, because you deserve it. 
That's the first reason. You deserve it. And you can't sit there on your tush waiting for someone who may or may not be able to find the motivation and the incentives to do this work. They might have less emotional resources than you. They might be more blind than you. They might be more immature than you. They might be stuck in a different phase in your li- in their life than you. They might not see the importance as much as you. They might be more childish or more resentful or more pe- or more pained or they might be uh, carrying a bigger or different burden of baggage from their home life where they simply can't see, right? They can't see the possibilities. So are you going to wait? Look, this is a kind of similar to saying, um, look, some people want to get their health in order, right? They want to start eating healthy. Are you going to sit there and say, but my partner eats potato chips all day, so I can't eat healthy? Are you going to give up your power over your health to someone else? Even though you're intertwined, okay, you're in the same family, I get it, the relationship is with them, but it's much more with yourself than you might imagine. It's much more in your court than you might, than you might imagine. It's much more similar to eating and your healthy diet than it is to tango, right? It takes two to tango, right? This isn't a tango. This isn't a tango. This is your own internal health, personal, unique, individual journey. How do I treat people around me? What kind of partner am I? What kind of communication skills am I developing? What kind of spiritual energy am I bringing to a relationship? How do I exercise and practice unconditional love? These are things that you deserve to develop within yourself. You deserve to rise to your highest version of yourself in your lifetime, regardless of who you are connected with. You deserve to show up as the most beautiful, sovereign, incredible, um, you know, in-depth, mature, raised being as you want to be. You have immense power to create the type of energy and the type of presence that will inevitably elevate the people around you. Elevate your partner. Invite your partner into that story. Invite, inspire them, uplift them, bring them along because you're so magnetic that they can't resist. Like, wow, you must be doing something right because you look great, (laughs) right? When your partner sees you eating healthy, when people see you eating healthy and they see how energetic you feel and how uh, vibrant you are and how glowing your skin is, then they might say, huh, there might be something to this, right? But if you get stuck saying, well, I can never eat healthy because my partner doesn't, Now you're both just staying down. Look, this is too important to give to someone else, okay? Do the work. I am not interested in, I'm tired, I'm busy, I have little kids. Those are excuses. It doesn't take much to smile at someone, to say kind words, to to feed your love cup a little bit, to connect. I'm sorry, that came off a little too harsh, even for me. (laughs) It's not that I'm not interested. It's that you must overcome that, okay? And I say this to people about sleep, and I say it to them about healthy eating, and I say about all this stuff. Yes, 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 little children, very demanding. I get it, I have four of them. I get it, I do, I promise. And I know, I also have a lot of privilege and help and space and all this stuff. I get it, I get it. Your life is complex. You have a lot on your plate. Little kids take a lot of energy. It's all true. This is just too important for any of those. It's just too important for those excuses to be rising up and actually holding you back from making this a priority. And the reason it's too important is because this is the most meaningful relationship of your life, like it or not, mistake or not. This is your partner, okay? This is your partner. That means this is the person by your side through the struggles, through the depression, through the diagnosis, through the crises, through uh, the nursing elderly parents, Through aging, this is the person you need to age next to. This is the person you eventually want to die next to and be buried next to. It is not for the faint of heart, okay? It's important, it's meaningful, and it matters. And you gotta get it together. Because guess what? In 10, 15 years, your kids leave the house. And this is the relationship. This is the primary relationship. And you wanna liberate them as well to let them leave their house and know, okay, My parents are okay because they have each other, okay? My parents are okay because they have a friendship. They have a foundation. They have a base. They know how to solve conflicts. I don't have to come in and save them, right? 
They have their own thing going on. Now, if you feel like you haven't quite got that there yet, get it together now. Work on it, make it happen. I, my belief, unpopular belief, my belief is that I could give you a complete stranger, someone just picked out for you, a complete stranger, and it would be possible to get it together with them, to get a friendship, a connection, a kindness, a healthy uh, understanding, a mutual caring, and even an unconditional love together with them through the right skills and tools and work and labor. It is possible. So of course it's possible with someone who you chose, who you continue to choose, who you've built a life with, who you've got all this investment with, who you've, for whatever reason, you've already found chemistry with, you've already built a family with. Okay. It is possible, but yes, it takes work. Of course it takes work. Nothing meaningful doesn't take work. Forget that. That's a myth. Okay. So it's always you to carry the burden. Then carry it. Carry the burden of responsibility. Face it. Voluntarily choose it. Take it on. If it's always for you to keep your family together, then carry it proudly and loudly. You deserve it. They deserve it. The world needs families that can be stable, that can keep each other together, that there's someone there with this mixing the cement and keeping the bricks strong. Mix the cement, put the glue in. It's incredibly, incredibly, incredibly important. So hopefully, hopefully you'll mix the cement and you'll do the hard work and you'll pour all the glue and you'll keep it together. And hopefully your partner will join you there. And together you will, you will do that labor. But don't not carry it because no one else is carrying it. You know, this has been a studied phenomenon. When people think that someone else could do something, like for example, they've, wit they've uh, studied people who witness um, uh, a crime scene, okay? If you're the only one witnessing a crime scene, then you typically will call for help. But if you believe that there are other people witnessing that crime scene, people are much less likely to call for help. So I think that's what's happening in our relationships is we think, well, there's someone else here. There's someone else whose responsibility it is. I could blame them. I have an excuse. I have an out. Someone else could be doing this, right? And so we don't do it. And so we don't lift it up. We don't take the responsibility. We don't carry it. We don't volunteer. We don't say, me, me, me. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do the hard work. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the one who makes sure this happens. And, and that's, that's, a, that's a shame. That's more than a shame because that's the undoing of great relationships. That's the undoing of great people who just were too lazy and too blind to catch it before it completely disintegrated. Don't be so lazy and blind. This is not... Uh, yeah, it's called the bystander effect. Don't have the bystander effect in your relationship. Be the one who buys the flowers, who lights the candles, who says the thing, who takes the courses, who books the counseling, who makes the relationship sustain itself. Find those ways. Find the tools. What is it? You got to wash the dishes? What is it? You got to make the call, send a flirty text message, whatever. Do what it takes. Carry it. If you're the one carrying the burden, then carry it and carry it with pride because you're doing meaningful work. Listen, the only thing that happens when your marriage disintegrates and your relationship disintegrates is that uh, you suffer, your partner suffers, your kids suffer, and we have one less strong family in the world. One less family who's healthy enough, who has their home in order enough to perhaps even, at the height of you know hubris and arrogance, to aim to perhaps help others to perhaps open their home in hospitality, to perhaps serve as an inspiration to other people, to perhaps spread kindness in the world. We can absolutely not do any of that stuff. We cannot be effectively helpful to other people, even in our careers, if our marriages are crumbling in our homes, if our relationships are crumbling, hey? We can't because we'll be depressed and we'll be, we'll be suffering and we'll be on edge and we'll have tears in the back of our eyes and we'll be choked up and we'll feel weak. We won't be able to be the highest version of ourselves, the most empowered version of ourselves, if we're not actively at work in creating those connections in our family that, that feel like there's communication there, there's love there, there's unconditionality there, there's space for breathing, there's space for understanding, there's space to make mistakes, there's forgiveness, there's process. Here's the last one that I'm going to bust today. Um, the idea that it might not work, right? Well, I might put in all the work 
and it might not work. I might pay for counseling. I might take your course. I might do this internal work. I might start to really, really try and change my behavior and it might not work. Who's worried about that? <laughs> Me, yeah. Yeah, well, it might not work. They might not change. We might never get it together. We might not get over this hump, right? It might not work. Sure, of course it might not work. Everything might not work. I could drop dead this afternoon when I cross the road, right? So should I not cross the road? Listen, my friends, it might not work, but equally true, it might. <laughs> it might work. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? It might work. It might actually work that we go into this process with an open heart and with gritted teeth and with resolve and we clench our hands into fists and we say, we're going to fight to the death. Right? We're going to make this thing work by hook or by crook. We're going to choose love like really stubbornly <laughs> without, you know, any kind of willingness to entertain the idea that we might lose. Have you ever heard Michael Jordan speak about this? Right? This, the, Michael Jordan had, had this complete uh, unwillingness to entertain the idea of losing. We all know where that got him. What would happen in your marriage if you completely rejected the concept that you might lose, that it might eventually not work? What kind of power would you bring to your internal work then? What kind of energy would you bring to your dialogues, to your relationship, to your sex life, to your connection, to your quality time? What would you bring if you were operating under the assumption that it cannot fail? How would you show up differently if you could not fail? If you know that if you do enough and if you work hard enough and you bring enough open heart and you try again and again and again and again, even after you fail, what would you bring to it? It might work. Guys, it might work. It might actually work. And you know what? Maybe we'll die trying, but that's a hell of a way to die. I'm willing to do that. That's one hell of a way to die, is to die fighting for love. That, that's worth it to me. That's a sword I'll fall on. I'll leave you with this, uh, with this thought. I think marriage is a little bit like Mount Everest. So is parenting, by the way. But with parenting, we know we can't climb down. And with marriage, we know we can. When you climb Mount Everest, you look at your partner who's climbing with you, try to choose someone who's relatively fit and can do it. Yeah, do a bit of training. You pack up your provisions and you set off. It is naive and innocent and silly to think that it's not gonna be hard. That's ridiculous. We all know climbing Mount Everest is hard. That's why not everybody succeeds in doing it. And that's why very few people do. And the same is true for marriage. Half the people drop out of the race halfway through. The rest of the people are mostly clinging on, but never really reaching the peak, right? They're staying in suffering and disconnect, but they're never really reaching those deeper levels of connection, those deeper levels of commitment, those deeper levels of joy. Hey, same as Mount Everest. Then there are those few those few people that we'll never know about, they're not famous or anything, but they climb that internal Mount Everest. They overcome massive challenges, massive disagreements, massive differences in temperament and personality and belief systems. They overcome massive resistance. And they're, they're gritty, they're resilient, they're hardworking. They are like, wow. You know, most of us just sit there thinking, I'm too lazy to do that. That's fine. You can be too lazy to do that. That's justified. Some of us really literally can't do it, right? We're just physically impaired and we can't go up Mount Everest. If I have a broken leg, can't do it. Okay. And that's the disclaimer I made earlier. Some people should not climb Mount Everest in their relationships. But some people can, but they don't believe that they can. Or they don't believe that their partner can. Or they don't believe that it's worth it. They're just a bit too tired. And that's a shame. 
because I think it's worth the climb. I think it's worth the climb. I think we've got to face the climb. We've got to face the looming height of that massive shadow that's being dropped by this mountain ahead of us and say, you know what? You know how people climb Mount Everest? One step at a time. That's how. No one jumps to the top. Okay? Some people fall off in the middle. Some people die trying. I'm not for a, for a minute minimizing that. But people climb Mount Everest one step at a time. So, start climbing. Voluntarily. Pack up your bag, look your partner in the face, and take that first step. My friends, it has been an absolute great pleasure to talk with you guys here today. A lot of you are asking me how you climb. <laughs> what are those communication tools? What are the skills? What are the ways that we actually make it work? How do we overcome disagreements and break intergenerational patterns and actually find love in our partners even when we're so frustrated and disgruntled and angry? And I want to let you guys know that I have opened today my course, Parent in Love, and that is what that course is. It's a six month in-depth course where I will walk you through step by step to climb Mount Everest. Mount Avital. <laughs> Mount Everest. That's not what I was gonna say, actually. I'm not sure what I was gonna say. But Mount Everest, okay? So if you are interested in that, we're opening it for a short time only. And we have a very special one-time only offer that we're making. We haven't done this before. But part of the challenge in Parent in Love is that it's in-depth and it's six months. So it's a real process, right? It only takes about an hour a week, but it's still, you know, it's the internal work. It's the real thing. And so what we're adding is group coaching with me. And for the people who join this time around, basically today, um, you, will get, uh, you will get for free group coaching with me on a monthly basis, which means cameras can be on, mics can be on, we can have conversations. We will walk through the material together. And the reason that we'll walk through the material together is because I know that you need someone to hold your hand in most cases. It's very easy to give up because Mount Everest is really hard to climb. <laughs> but I want you to see the view from the top. I really want you to see the view from the top and some of the views along the way as well. And so if you are interested, we've made that more accessible than ever, more bonuses than ever, more access to me than ever. But it's only for a limited time because we are going to get started with that group coaching. So you go to theparentingjunkie.com forward slash parent in love. You can learn more about it there. We also have a chat box there where you can ask us your questions. We've got FAQs. We've got a guide to help you get your partner on board, although you can do the course completely alone. But if you want to get your partner on board with the fact that you're investing in a course, then we have a guide for that. We have a lot of stories. Um, and when I say stories, I mean interviews with people who have been through the course, um, people from as far as Pakistan, uh, shout out to Amina, who has a beautiful mini documentary there on the page and you can watch it so you can really get a feel because obviously it's more uh, impactful to hear it from people who aren't me. Um, it's definitely the process that I personally have gone to and have gone through and go through continuously in my own relationship. But, um, but it's also the process that hundreds of others have been through to phenomenal um, effect. And I say this because, look, you, you, you know that this is my passion. This is my absolute passion. My goal is for you to create family bliss. I mean, and I don't say that lightly. I don't mean that nonchalantly because bliss is incredibly difficult to create and to notice when it's happening. And there's going to be plenty of stuff that isn't blissful as well, right? Because that's just the human condition. So at least alongside that, can you also create a sense of bliss and meaning in your relationships and in your work as a family, in your legacy, in your vision, in what you're coming together to build, in, in your home, in your dynamic, in your energy? And I believe the answer is yes. 
Uh, but as I've stated here, I believe that we've got to overcome a lot of limiting beliefs and then we've got to equip ourselves with the right tools in order to create that. And that's what Parent in Love is, essentially. So head on over to theparentingjunkie.com forward slash parent in love to get more info on that. And if you would like to do it along with a friend, then bring a friend along with you, send them the link too, uh, because we're going to get started and it's going to be deep and meaningful and hard and fun and challenging and crazy. And that's what the climb is. Okay. That is what the climb is. And I cannot wait uh, to witness you climbing your own individual mountains. All right. I'll take a moment for a couple of Q and A's and then we will close up. Okay. Uh, if we already a uh, present player, can we add parent in love as well now if we didn't add the course when enrolling in present play? Yes, absolutely. Um, you should and can uh, join parent in love. I think it will be a fantastic addition to your present play experience because present play is all about the family and the children and yourself. And then parent in love is about your relationship and your partner. Laurie, do you get the coaching if you are already enrolled in Parent in Love? Laurie, um, yes, you do. Uh, this is going to be open to all Parent in Love members as of this week. So you have to join now. And if you've joined now, then you will be invited to that. And that's just a rule of thumb in everything that we do, by the way. If we ever roll out a special bonus or a special event, we always uh, reward our original members, you know, with that stuff. So you never need to worry that you'll miss out in the future on some kind of thing, because of course our first, our first loyalty lies with our customers and clients, and we're always there to um, to give that to them. Okay, if there are any other questions, I'll take them. I know that people often ask us about payment plans for Parent in Love. There are payment plans. There is even a 12 month payment plan, which is our most generous payment plan, because even though it's a six month course, I really wanna help you spread this out. Uh, we rolled that out during COVID because I know that people really, really need it, um, but are, are struggling to pay if, uh, if six months is too tight. So it is, uh, it is available to you. Okay. Uh, is Parent in Love applicable if only one partner takes part in the course, or do I have to have my partner on board as well? Um, thank you for the question. Please keep them coming. It is absolutely applicable if only one partner takes part in the course. We have, I don't know what the percentage is, but probably about 70 or 80% of people who take Parent in Love don't have their partners watch it either. If you need your partner to get on board because you make those kind of financial decisions together, just in terms of actually purchasing the course, then I have a guide, it's a PDF guide that can help you with some scripts and ways of phrasing it in a way that will make it more palatable for your partner to, uh, to help you get in there. But no, they don't have to do it with you. And the other thing about that is, Parent in Love is a very robust course, okay? You get videos, you get transcripts, you get audio, you get meditations, you get three giant bonuses, you get journals. It's really, really like a full fleshed out program in a big way. What we've also included is five minute summaries. So for partners with slightly shorter attention spans, you can just give them the short summary and um, and then they, they kind of know what you're learning, but in a really quick, <laughs> a quick, dirty way. So that's really, really helpful for a lot of people. Okay. Um, love your courses and energy, by the way. Thank you so very much. I so appreciate all the love coming my way. I'm so grateful uh, whenever I get a chance to help people in any kind of way. That's, that, that is incredibly meaningful to me and very, um, I'm very grateful to be in that position. So thank you so much. And I know that this doesn't resonate for everyone with an, everyone and it isn't for everyone. But if this is for you, then I really want to extend a warm invitation and a warm welcome and tell you that, uh, you know, uh, what can I say? I'm blown away and, and deeply inspired on a daily basis by the kind of transformation that people make. And I believe that, um, that it's, it takes, it takes us, it takes a certain someone to really go on that, those journeys and to really decide to invest in themselves and their relationships. But the payoff is always, um, just, just enormous, just enormous. All right, last question here. How much does it cost? So Chaya, we have a bunch of different payment plans. So just go through because it depends if you pay it all up front or pay it uh, on the monthly or on the, uh, sorry, month six monthly and 12 monthly. So that will adjust the, the, the numbers and I don't remember the exact numbers. So please just uh, click uh, theparentingjunkie.com forward slash parent in love and you'll see the various payment options. We also have PayPal for anyone who is concerned. And just so you know, it's a one 
package. So whatever, if you get in there, you will get the coaching. If you get in there at this time, you will get the coaching. You will get the bonuses. Uh, we're releasing some exciting new stuff there. Uh, you'll get the sexy mofo bonus and the how to end arguments bonus and all of that stuff. Okay, so I have to end now. Thank you so very, very much for being with me here today and a huge welcome to everybody who's joining Parent in Love at this moment. And whether or not you join now, I just want to uh, say that I'm so glad that you've spent this time with me here today and I, I hope that it's been helpful. Um, and I hope that it is, whether or not you, the work you do is through Parent in Love, I hope that you are inspired to do the work, right? To do what it takes to carry the burden, to face the mountain and to climb it. All right, everybody, so much love and namaste. Thanks for listening to The Parenting Junkie Show. If this was helpful for you, I would be so appreciative if you would subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Subscribing to the show means you'll get the bonus episodes that I only deliver here. And when you rate and review the show, it helps other parents find it. I'll be shouting out some of my favorite reviews in upcoming episodes and would love to spotlight you. And remember, keep on loving parenting and parenting from love. Namaste.